Welcome, Internet friends, to another program of Preparing Our Heart for Worship podcast. And here, this is Glenn. And this is Linda. Thank you for stopping by. It's always a pleasure to have you here visiting with us. We are from Broadway Baptist Church in our studio, Faith Productions Recording is located in Lexington, Kentucky. We are longtime members of the Conference of Southern Baptist Evangelists, and we love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm a licensed evangelist working through Broadway Baptist Church here in Lexington, and we have a singing, playing music group called Forgiven. We perform at old-time gospel hymns that we have put together with modern music arrangements that we produced. We share a history. We share the history of this and stories of these old hymns and their authors, including events that led to the writing of the songs. We'd love to share with you and your church. There's no charge for this ministry. It's absolutely a labor of love. We have more than 50 years in evangelism. We are a registered nonprofit organization, 501c3 known as the Glenn Dawson Evangelistic Association. We have a board of directors composed of Pastor Dr. Daniel Osmond, Pastor of Broadway Baptist, David Dale, Music Director at Broadway, and Todd Ott, Adult Sunday School Teacher at Broadway. Brian Young joins us of late. Brian has the gift of helping, and, and he does so much for us. We are grateful for his work and efforts. The members of the Gospel Group Forgiven are Linda Dawson, song historian. She's also the program director. She's an editor and the secretary treasurer of Glenn Dawson Evangelistic Association. Vivian Bowman is a contra-alto singer that joined us recently, and she's a beautiful, lovely singer. We love coming to you each week with our program, and we trust you enjoy the three-year collection of online podcast programs, as well as the 170 gospel hymns we have recorded for your online listening pleasure. We do special music and concerts in churches, and would love to be of service in your worship service. Contact us by phone anytime at 859 859- Four nine four fifty one twenty, or by email at glenn that's g l e n n dot dawson at t w c. Our song today is about the praise and honor through the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name! And that song goes like this: Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name! Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem, and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem, and crown him Lord of all. O seed of Israel's chosen race, now ransomed from the fall, hail him who saves you by his grace, and crown him Lord of all. Hail him who saves you by his grace, and crown him Lord of all. Let every tongue and every tribe responsive to his call, to him all majesty ascribe. Then crown him Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. 
Oh, that with all the sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Okay, great. Linda, let's hear Forgiven play this song. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name is a popular hymn sung by many Christian denominations. This hymn is often referred to as the National Anthem of Christendom. The lyrics written by Edward Perronet while he served as a missionary in India. Edward Perronet was born in Sundridge, England in 1726 and died in Canterbury in 1792. His family came from the Huguenots of Switzerland and according to the U.M. hymnal editor Carlton Young, was closely associated with and esteemed by the Wesleys. Edward seemed destined for preaching from a young age, for his father was both a minister and good friends with John and Charles Wesley, leaders of the Methodist movement. These men were highly influential to Edward, showing him how a man should live. Edward's father served a congregation that was part of the Church of England and naturally wanted his son to follow in his footsteps. But the footsteps Edward ended up following were those of the Wesleys, and he became a Methodist minister. Working together for a time, Wesley encouraged Perronet to preach, but Perronet preferred to defer to Wesley. The Methodism founder persisted, however, and announced that Brother Perronet will now speak. Perronet stood before a large crowd and declared, I will now deliver the greatest sermon ever preached on earth. He then read the Sermon on the Mount and promptly sat down. Against the desires of John Wesley, Perronet promoted the idea that Methodist preachers should be able to administer the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. During his time with this denomination, Perronet was roughed up tossed around, dumped in the mud, and had stones thrown at him. After a falling out with the Methodists, he moved to another group, which he eventually left as well. Nevertheless, Perronet wrote this beautiful hymn, which became very much loved in the church. It also became utilized numerously by evangelists and missionaries. In a controversial act, Perronet published a satire on the Church of England, angering the Countess of Huntingdon, in whose chapel he served. As a result, he left to become a minister in the independent chapel in Canterbury. With reach across the earth and throughout time, all hell the power of Jesus' name has been the subject of more than a few stories through history. It wasn't until Edward's later years that he began writing hymns. He wanted no credit for these works, and thus chose to publish anonymously in a series of small books. Of this series, only one remains known to us, occasional verses, moral and sacred. What made this particular book so special was its inclusion of all hail the power of Jesus' name. The hymn's popularity rose organically, reaching far beyond England. Today, the hymn is often called the National Anthem of Christendom. With such popularity came a variety of stories with the hymn at center stage. One amazing missionary story attached to the song is the following. Reverend E.P. Scott was a missionary in India during the 1800s. At the prompting of the Holy Spirit, but against the advice of his fellow missionaries, Scott set out alone to visit a remote village. He was determined to share the gospel with a dangerous, savage tribe. Several days into his journey, Scott met a large group of warriors who quickly surrounded him. 
each pointing a spear towards his heart. Expecting to die, Scott made a decision to use his last few breaths to glorify God and to hopefully stir something within the hearts of his captors. He took out his violin, which he always carried with him, closed his eyes and began to play, All Hail the Power of Jesus in Name, in the native language of the warriors. After singing the first stanza, the second, the third, and then beginning the fourth, Reverend Scott realized he was still standing and that all around him was a peaceful quiet. Opening his eyes, he saw every spear lowered. There stood those mighty warriors with tears in their eyes. Throughout the remainder of his life, Scott spent much time with this tribe, sharing the love of God. One story tells of a woman on her deathbed who kept repeating the word bring. Those taking care of her kept wondering what she wanted them to bring, until she finally sang, Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all, and then fell over dead. The hymn is sung to a variety of tunes. Oliver Holden composed the tune Coronation in 1793, which is the most common in the United States. A carpenter and real estate dealer in his professional life, he also organized many music schools and served as legislature and pastor. He was a Baptist, and in 1791, he joined the First Baptist Church in Boston and became leader of the choir. In 1801, he and some others started the First Baptist Church in Charleston. He was in a group that left that church in 1809 due to what they perceived as lax discipline and started a Second Baptist Church in Charleston. His popular tune, Coronation, to Edward Perinet's hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, is said to be the earliest American hymn tune still in general use. The original hymn had 13 verses in it. We did not sing all of them, but we will briefly talk about them here. In Hebrews 1.3, we read, After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Imagine that moment when Jesus first sat down on heaven's throne. Having taken on our full flesh and blood and lived among us and died sacrificially for us and having risen in triumph, defeating sin and death and ascended to heaven and pioneered our way as human into the very presence of God his Father. Jesus stepped forward toward the throne all heaven captive with history's greatest coronation, a ceremony so glorious that even the most extravagant of earthly coronations barely reflected. The first chapter of Hebrews gives us a glimpse into this coronation of Christ, this moment when the God-man is formally crowned Lord of all. Verse 3 sets the scene. After making purification for sins, He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 5 then quotes from Psalms 2, which was a psalm of coronation for the ancient people of God. You are my son, God said. Today I have begotten you. It was the day of ascension to the throne that the new king of God's people formerly became his son. 
in the sense of serving as his official representative to his people. The coronation was the date, so to speak, that God begat the human king as our Lord over his people. Next, in verse 6, it mentions when God brings the firstborn to the world. What world? Is this a reference to the incarnation? It is not. Hebrews 2, 5 clarifies by referencing the world to come of which we are speaking. In other words, the world, in the context of Hebrews 1, is not our earthly temporal age. Rather, the world into which God brings his firstborn here is the heavenly realm, what is to us the world to come. The setting is indeed the great enthronement of the King of Kings. And as Jesus, the victorious God-man, enters heaven itself and ascends to its ruling seat, God announces that all God's angels worship him. In verse 6, him, God and man, in one spectacular person. Originally, God had made man a little lower than the heavenly beings, as we read in Psalms 8.5. But now the angels, the host of heaven, worship him, the man, Christ Jesus. First Timothy 2.5 says, So great is he, as genuine member of our race, the heat not only eclipses and bypasses the race of angels, but in doing so, he brings us with him. No redeemer has risen for has has arisen for fallen angels. Surely, it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Hebrews two sixteen says, "Angels no longer look down on humanity, but up." We are now experiencing firsthand the things into which angels look to. In 1 Peter 1.12 The new king of the universe is indeed fully man and fully God and addressed as each and addressed as such in verse 8. I'm quoting Psalms 45. Your throne, O God, is forever. And verse 10, echoing Psalms 1-2, Relate the glory, for years we have no end. Which is a climactic expression of, and even better than saying, Long live the king. Reference scriptures, 1 Samuel 10-24, 2 Samuel 16-6, 1 Kings 1, 25-34, 2 Kings 11-12, 2 Chronicles 23-11. Finally, the grand finale in verse 13 sounds the great oracle of Psalms 1:10. Again, the Father speaks, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. For generations and centuries, the people of God had waited for the day in which great David's greater son, his Lord, would ascend to the throne and hear these sacred words from God himself. Then at long last, captured for us in the sketch of Hebrews 1, the great enigmatic 
sorry, vision of Psalms 110 was finally fulfilled. Having finished the work his father gave him to accomplish, God's own son, not merely David's, had ascended to the throne, not a throne on earth, but the throne of heaven. The father himself has crowned him king of all the universe. He has called forth the royal diadem and crowned him king of every kindred, every tribe. We who call him king and lord will not only gather one day with yonder sacred throne to fall at his feet, but even now he gives us the dignity of participating in heaven's ongoing coronation ceremony. We crown him with our praises, especially as we gather weekly with our new kindred and tribe in worship. The glorious enthronement of Christ has not ended, but continues. We see it now and experience it by faith and participate with our praises. And one day soon, with all his redeemed, we at last will join in the everlasting song that has not ended and will grow only richer and sweeter for all eternity. In Hebrews 1, 3-13, we see, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the world's word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, He makes the angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the all of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands, and they will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up, like a garment they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? In Philippians 2, 9-11 through 11, we read, Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. When I was a kid, I remember going to grandma's and granddad's almost every weekend. They lived in northern Kentucky, about an hour from us. We'd leave right after dad got off work. We had an old black Chevy that the door opened from the front. You don't see that nowadays for a good reason, as you'll see later. 
It was always dark or nearly dark by the time we got there in the evening. The road to Grandma's house was long and windy around the limestone cliffs down to the river towards Gratz, then climbing back the hills on the other side of Owen County to go to that old home place on the other side of the river. I had a little brother then that was still with us and that at that time, and Terry had cystic fibrosis, fibrosis of the pancreas and the lungs. And he spent a large portion of his life in the children's hospital in Cincinnati. Terry was precious and only lived five years. For some reason on this trip, Granny Hensley was with us uh, on our trip back to Winton. I can't remember why. It was a long time ago. But his dad was driving down the road. It was a familiar road to him. And he wasn't wasting any time getting on down the road. I'm in the back seat on the driver's side and Granny's on the right-hand passenger side. There was air coming into the car making a swooshing sound and I decided to pull the door closed a bit tighter to get rid of that whizzing sound. I reached across Granny's lap and took hold of the door lap, uh, latch and it's about 50 miles an hour and that door popped open from the front and caught the wind and whipped it out with me hanging on to that latch. I was out in the wind in a flash. I hung on as long as I could. I remember whipping back and forth. I was a good bit younger you know, then, probably eight or nine. Finally, my hands could hold on no longer and the weight of my body slinging me back and forth over, overcome my strength and I found myself airborne. I honestly remember thinking this. I'm flying. Because <laughs> I found myself airborne. It's strange the things you think about in dangerous situations. I do remember hitting the ground, rolling over and over and over. And I could still hear my dad screeching the tires to a stop in an emergency mode. I was first worried he might not, he might just leave me. But I saw the red tail lights come on and I knew he wouldn't. From here on, I think it was in shock. It must have taken over. I don't remember a whole lot for a while after that. I do remember Dad over me, his arms around me, with his tears streaming down his face and onto mine. He later said that I was all rolled up in a ball. He was sure I was dead. Well, I wasn't. And it turned out that I just had a few scrapes and bruises. My dad and I both were grateful. I think I slept some as they took Granny home, Granny Hensley home. We, we must have slept the whole night there because the next day we went to Dad, my dad's parents' house to be with the Dawsons. I can remember Grandma would always blame Granddad for burning the biscuits. <laughs> I don't know how he was always responsible 
but I remember it that way. She always made made them from scratch. And we had rabbit, we had squirrel, we had whatever Grandpa had shot that week. We always had fried chicken and biscuits and white gravy and, of course, a whole plate with fried eggs and sausage and lots of bacon. The table was always full of food. Granddad would always come through the house singing Amazing Grace or some other wonderful old hymn. Both Grandma and Grandpa would get up before daylight and got out in the to that old coal furnace or in the kitchen got those going got the coal furnace and the, and the kitchen stove uh, burning breakfast would be early would sit at the head of the table and grandma at the other grandma was crippled from the birth of the twins dad was one of the identical twins but grandma was able to get around so good she was slow and Everybody else gathered around the table. Grandpa would get the Bible out and spread it across his empty plate. Then Grandma and Granddad would read the Word of God earnestly. After the scriptures, Grandpa would begin to pray. There's absolutely silence there. Tears would stream down his face as he communed with God. We always felt God's presence. Music was a big deal at the Elder Dawson's household. There was a big old piano in the house, and I always loved to bang on it. I learned to pick out melodies on this old piano. We didn't have one of those at home, but when I come to Granddad's, it was something I always looked forward to doing. All of Dad's brothers played something except the oldest, Howard. I'm not sure how he got left out, but I suspect when Granddad went to Cincinnati one year to get the instruments, I just bet Howard was already married and involved with his family. But Granddad always wanted the house to have music in it. So he went off to Cincy and purchased a, a fiddle, a doghouse bass, a guitar, a dobro and a banjo. All the brothers run over and picked out what they wanted and left my dad the tenor banjo. Now, dad never liked that tenor banjo. He especially hated the tenor banjo. Yes, he learned to play it, but as soon as he got the chance, he ditched it to pick up the guitar. My dad became a great guitar player. He was known across Kentucky as the best rhythm guitar player around. It became his life ambition, and of course it set direction for my life for sure, to play music. I remember playing music with my dad every time there was a talent show within a hundred miles of our house. Dad had me at that show. We always come in first or second. <laughs> and winning money was a little bit fun, too. Well, let's look back at the Dawson Boys. The Dawson Boys become a well-known band in northern Kentucky during my dad's juice all the way up to World War II when the twin boys were called off for war. 
After the war was over, the twins, my granddad Gilbert, uh, my dad Gilbert and my my, uh, uncle Hubert, his twin, they were married to their respective wives. They had a double wedding. Dad and Hube always did everything together, and this was no exception. Both of the twins went to work at the VA hospital in Lexington. Before they did that, they tried a little farming, but not long after that, they were using their VA benefits, and they found a better job. I was born while Dad was overseas in the service. My little brother Terry came along after the war. His illness made for a tough situation for our family. Dad had no insurance. He was a proud man, and he was determined to pay his bills. And my mom, she could squeeze a nickel and make a dime out of it all. Lots of crimping and scraping went on at our house. I remember my shoes were filled with cardboard when there was a hole worn through them. And I remember my jean patches had patches on them. We sure didn't have much. But my parents learned to depend on the Lord from the University of Hard Knocks. Dad worked at three jobs and all the overtime he could get. We lived in an old rented farmhouse out on Leastown Road till Terry died. We were a happy family within that local family. We had problems, yes, some really bad. But Dad would get on his knees every night with us beside the bed and we would all pray. Life was tough, but we always praised God for what we had. And the times God, and the things that God did in our lives. We were thankful for Jesus in our lives, and we gave thanks for our joy. No matter what life gives us, God can use it to show the good that he has wrought. We always had the joy, even in heartache. You know, there's such joy in Jesus. He's worthy of our praise and adoration. When we have the Spirit of God within us, we can't help but be thankful, happy, and have praise in our hearts. His goodness just spills out that way. My friend, does your heart scream out, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Is it full of praise no matter your situation? Now, Jesus never promised us that we'd have an easy life. On the contrary, he promised our life would be full of problems. But he did promise to never leave or forsake us. When we walk with Jesus in fellowship with God our Father, it really doesn't matter. Let me ask you, your listeners, do you know for sure about your eternity? Jesus said that you could know about your eternity, eternal life, for sure. Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
There is no other way to God but through Jesus. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus for salvation is the only possible way to heaven and to have peace today. Just trust him today. You'll not be sorry. If you'd like to continue to talk to me more about this, you can email me at glenn.dawson at twc.com or glenn at saxonmusic.com. Now, my first name, Glenn, has two ends in it. Some people forget that once in a while and the mail didn't get to me. So be sure and use two ends. God has been gracious to allow us this podcast. We are thankful for this. Even though we did not ask anyone for money, we have had help from our audience. When our songs are played, we receive a small streaming royalty royalty of five cents. So we want to say thank you, our listeners, for listening to our songs. As you listen to our music while you are traveling or working around the house or whatever you're doing, we trust you enjoy the music and pray it's a spiritual blessing to you. Remember, you are helping keep our ministry going just by listening. If you don't have a streaming service already to listen to our music for free on, just sign on to YouTube audio channel. That's it. HTTP, regular HTTPS, colon forward slash www.youtube.com forward slash at We Are Forgiven to listen to our 170 songs. And you can check out our video channel there too. And if you have Alexa or Echo, just say, play the music of Glenn Dawson and listen as long as you like for free. If you're not getting our newsletter, go to our website at glendawsonea.com and click on newsletter. Now folks, this concludes our podcast for this week and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week. Till then, God bless you and remember, we We love love you. you. Bye Bye for for now. now.